Kelman on cliffcentral.com. It's just this unbelievably impressive piece of paper that you get when Roxy Berger walks into a room <laughs> with all the stuff that she's done. I mean, we're talking about 18 years that you've been working, and you're only like 29 years old, which means since 11 you've been, you've been, you, you knew exactly what a savings account was at like 11, <laughs> Roxy. It's true. Um, I always tell the story of my matric year, or even high school. Like I didn't have a great time in high school because. And I understand people just didn't get it. They were focused on exams and what am I going to wear to matric farewell? And I'm thinking about where is my future going and what am I doing with my career working at Mnet in the afternoon? Mm. So it was just, we, I had very different interests. I think I grew up quite quickly. Sometimes there are downsides to that, but yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't change it for anything. Flashback to right now, you're doing some unbelievable stuff. You're working on top billing on SABC3, Strictly Come Dancing on SABC3. You're a presenter on 5FM's YouTube channel. You produce that as well. You run 011. <laughs> there's, there's so much going on. I wonder for you, though, what's interesting about having worked in media from like the age of 11 and to now and just that rapid change. Mm. And you never would have seen that coming. The landscape is so different. Yeah. It is so different. I think it's, I've noticed with the rise of social media, it's become ruthless. So when we were on KTV, people probably didn't enjoy half the things that you did, but you didn't get that negative feedback. And I find sometimes with social media, you really have to, and the good comments, don't believe the hype because people can turn very quickly. Mm. And I think it's become positively as well. I think you get feedback from people constantly so you know how to improve your performance and all that sort of thing. But specifically, I think the rise of social media has changed things drastically. How do you go with it though? Because some people refuse to do anything differently to what they've done before, but you've really kind of just embraced where media has taken you. I think I've always been, I mean, what people would deem an early adopter. So I've always been someone who will get the latest, you know, when the iPhone came out, I, I was, my dad was overseas. I was like, get me one. Mm. You know, I, I wanted to see it and experience it first. And I've always been that kind of person. So it's, it's natural for me to embrace change. I like change. I'm not someone who's afraid of change. Um, I thrive on it. So that's the reason why I could never do like a nine to fiver. Mm. I would hate a desk. Well, I did have a desk job for a while and I hated it. My, literally my boss told me when I, when I resigned and had my exit interview, he's like, you're really good at what you do, but you suck as an employee. And I'm like, yeah, cause I can't be told what to do. So I think that, but you have to, if yeah. you don't embrace it and you don't evolve with the times, you're going to be left behind and things change so quickly at the moment. I have to tell you, one of the reasons that I'm so excited that you're part of our list is because, because I kind of know you in a, a personal capacity. Mm -hmm. And I know that, you know, with a lot of people, what they put out there on social media, it's not necessarily an apt version of what the truth is. But for you, you seem to be really good at expressing your truth on social media. Yeah. It's not curated to the nth degree. Sure, some of it is, but it's not curated to the nth degree that if you meet you in real life, it's a completely different experience. Yeah. I think I've, I think I've, thank you for that because I think I've tried specifically to do that. Mm. I've tried to always be as authentic as possible because I feel like that is the appeal that people enjoy about me. Um, it's, I think it's also though you have to also hold back to a certain degree 
degree just for your own personal, mm. you know, needs. So don't share everything. Um, but yes, I, I'm appreciative when people say to me, you know, meeting you in real life, you're the same. There's, there's no difference. And I would never want to put on a facade. I think that that also stems from kids presenting days because as a kids presenter, you were encouraged to be yourself. Yeah. You know, I think people who maybe get into it as adults, possibly they, they might, you know, be taught to, this is my presenting mm. face and, you know, it's different. But on KTV, it was very much just be yourself. Um, and I think that I've possibly kept that going and I, I strive for that. I really do want to just be the same person. But yes, I hear you, you still do your, your cool mm. like photo shoots and I love fashion. So I like to cur- curate that content for my website and my Instagram profile. But yeah, I think I would never do something that I wouldn't really do in my mm. personal capacity. I would never go and, present something that i don't believe in you know how many people in the world right now want to be like the kardashians and is that a problem yeah i think it's a problem i think it's a problem can i tell i even tweeted it the other day um somebody tweeted something like dear matrix if you're going to get into the creative industries do it for the right reasons and i completely agree people want to be famous they don't want to be broadcasters. Mm. And that, I think, is a problem. And that, I, th- I mean, listen, I also love watching the Kardashians <laughs> and their stupid rubbish every now and again. Like, my vice is bad reality TV. Yeah. I guess there's a place for it in the world. But it does create a culture of wanting to just be famous for being famous. I mean, let's be honest. Like, Kim is famous for having sex and she's and yeah. being famous. I mean, she doesn't offer much to the world. <laughs> um, And I... Yeah, I just, I think that that is a huge problem. Also, possibly from like reality TV talent shows mm. where it's, you get there like this, you know, and you, you rise. Instantaneous. And it's, exactly. And I think sometimes you need to pay your dues. You need to go through those years of struggle or whatever it might be. Some people do, don't get me wrong. But I think the sort of instant fame and even on social media, like <laughs> I read the other day being, being, uh, having lots of followers on Twitter is kind of like being rich at Monopoly. <laughs> and it's kind of true yeah, you got to be careful anything. you know i mean sometimes you really can influence and, and create positive change and there's nothing wrong with it but be careful what's the biggest misconception about you hmm um maybe that i earn huge amounts of money <laughs> people think that you know oh you're on top villain you must be balling or you know it's all that it, i live an incredibly glamorous lifestyle and yes you see that's also what you were saying mm. about you know curating contents and things like that you must be careful of that because people think you live these perfect lives and that is far from the truth and that my job is easy um a top billing shoot is a hard, long day. Mm. You know, it's a good eight to 10 hours just to do one insert. Um, links take an entire night. You start in the evening, you finish at two in the morning. It's, it's difficult. Making TV is not as glamorous as what people think. So I think that's a big misconception. Yeah. And that I have a yacht you know, in the Caribbean or something. <laughs> She's lying. She does. I wish. Uh, tell me about spinning the plates. You spin the fashion plate. You spin the producing plate. You spin the TV presenting plate. You spin a million and one different <laughs> plates. Yeah. Do you, is it frustrating for you when you've only got one thing on the go? Can you I, function? Is that how you function? I am a person who has always wanted different things happening at different times. Okay. However, having said that, it, you, and I've seen it recently, you have to be very careful of not having too much on the go because then you don't give it the attention it deserves. Mm. Um, but I am that person who loves juggling balls because I just, uh, I enjoy having different things happening all the time. I was like that in school. I played sports. I, I did the cultural thing. I was in the, I did food. I danced. I 
I just enjoy it. I thrive on it. I thrive on pressure. I love the pressure of live TV. I love having that adrenaline rush of like, you know. Three, two, one and go. Exactly. Get it right the first time. You also wrote to NASA as a kid. (laughs) I did. I still, I still, I want to go to space. I'm not even joking. If somebody said to me tomorrow, you have the opportunity to go to space. I, my, it's a, it's like a dream. It's like a huge dream. And I did. I wanted to be an astronaut when I was a kid and I wrote, wrote to NASA. I still have the letter framed on my wall because wow. they responded and they, and I, I mean, my mom kind of like, I was, I was 12 or even younger. And my mom kind of tried to prepare me for, they're not really going to reply. And I was blown away because I got this big envelope. They sent me a book wow. about careers in science and technology. Cool. And they were, you know, obviously it was kind of, it was, it wasn't a handwritten note. You could tell that it was kind of just like, thank you so much for your interest in the space program, whatever, whatever. But I thought like, wow, somebody took the, the time to actually Put, print this letter out and send me a book all the way back to South Africa from NASA. And I still have it framed on my wall. Cool. And I just think it's, it's, it's kind of just always like, you know, you can dream big. It's, it's, it's fine to do so. And you never know when something is going to come your way. I really want to go to space. It's so late. I, <laughs> I would love to. I'm like, Richard Branson, please take me on Virgin Galactic. <laughs> well, what for you is validation? Cause I think a lot of people are struggling in the 21st century with what validation is. Some mm. people are finding it in their likes on Instagram. For you, you got validation out of NASA replying with that letter, but as an overarching theme in your life, what is validation? Who does it come from? Where does it mm, come from? Good question. You're, and I think that's also the problem. Finding validation in likes on Instagram is a problem. problem. And that's why you, it's, it, it, to separate yourself from that. Don't believe the hype. Be careful because I think if you're finding validation on Instagram, you need to reassess what your goals are and, and what you deem as successful. I don't know. I've always said, I just want to do great things. I want to do, big things and I want to try and make a big difference in whatever it is. I, I actually, it's so difficult to answer that question. And people ask me like, what are your goals? And I never set goals for myself. It's terrible. I never say like this year, this is what I want to do. I kind of just opportunity comes my way and I'll tackle that task when it happens. And I'll kind of decide this is what I want to do with it. And this is how I will manifest it. I don't know. I think again, Something like this is really cool for somebody to say, hey, we think that you've done great things. That's mm. that's great validation for me. I think little things like my husband saying, I'm proud of you. I remember my first Strictly Come Dancing live show. He like posted on his Facebook page and he's like, I'm so proud of my that's wife. Cool. And that sort of thing gives me fantastic validation. Um, oh, I, I but yes, I mean, sometimes you're like, mm, I got so many likes on my Instagram <laughs> post and it's, you need to be careful of that. How much of it for you is about the journey versus the, the final outcome? I mean, when you, so a show like Strictly Come Dancing, uh, is, is the, is it about the journey of, you know, doing the show or is it about when it wraps? Is it about the journey of getting the gig or is it about having the gig? W- what is it about? Well, I'll tell you the story behind Strictly. Um, I've worked with Rapid Blue for years. They produced a lot of shows on KTV. So yeah. I know Killeen and Duncan really well. And 
I my very first production job was on Strictly Come Dancing. Huh. I was a runner. Wow. And I worked for free. I was the person who sat behind the judges and ran the scores to the producers in the live show. Like huh. I sat I was a skivvy and I And what's important to point out is that it wasn't something you had to do. You no, were a well known face on South African yeah, TV. KTV. But I needed production experience. Yeah. So I was studying my degree at the time and I decided I wanted to do it and they were like, Sorry, we can't pay you, but if you're keen for the experience and it was a Saturday night, going to the Carlton Center, it was it was, you know, not necessarily fun at times. I carried mm. chairs. But um from there, I'd always said to Colleen as well, when I kind of my profile grew a little bit further from there, I said, I'd love to dance on the show because mm. I danced for years. I was like, oh, please, if ever I could be considered, it'd be great. And then I got the call to audition for the presenting mm. gig. And I just thought it's come full circle. So, yes, that's validation again. I think hard work and putting in the time and having faith that things will work out the way that they're meant to. Um, that was amazing to then say, wow, like this has been such a long journey, but even after we've wrapped, um, it's an amazing feeling to have put in a lot of work for a show like that. But the journey is the best part. It is going through the motions of that show. How do you do this own lane thing so well? Yeah. Staying in your own lane and not comparing yourself to others. Yeah. You naturally do. You You naturally do. I think it's very difficult to not compare yourself to what other people are doing. Sometimes I think it can be a good thing because it might push you Mm. to work harder. But I do think you have to kind of also stay in your own lane. um, Be realistic. Push yourself. Have goals. Have dreams. But I think you must be realistic about the landscape you find yourself in. Mm. What is achievable in your personal capacity? Um, what the challenges are? What the restrictions are for you? Um, but listen, you do every now and again. It's difficult not to. It's impossible. It's human nature. And social media kind of forces us to. People pin you up against. Yeah. And that's been since the beginning. I mean, I was always pinned up against um, Carly from Yo! Yo TV. TV yeah. We were the blondes on opposing channels and people <laughs> compared us constantly. And we auditioned together. So it was natural competition that we were always up. Because obviously, you know, you'll get a, you'll get a brief for an audition and like we're looking for a, a white female girl between yeah, the ages yeah. of whatever if there's a particular role. So we literally auditioned against one another from the age of like 10 and you are naturally then and we would always end up in like the final three it would always be like the shortlist would be myself Carly and somebody else so it it happens so then you you were friends in the end and it was all cool I know we never took it that seriously but what I'm saying is is that it happens people will put you up against somebody else Um, so you just have to try and keep focused you know, there's this great scene in Girls on HBO where there's two characters sitting in the middle of the Times Square and the one says to the other, the, the, the dude says to Marnie, I think it is, what is it that you want from life? And that's a big question. Mm. Uh, do you have any gut feeling towards a question like that? I just don't want regrets. That's cool. I think it's it's not necessarily about success or I just don't want to look back and think I didn't live a full life. I want to live a full life. If I can do that and if I cannot regret taking an opportunity, obviously you'll have it. It's impossible to do everything. But um, I think simply put, I just don't want to look back and think, man, I, I, I didn't give it my all. It's a great motivation. Hmm, simple. I, that implies that also that you can't be afraid of failure. And I think – and I am afraid of failure. I think I'm very – and I'm I'm quite hard on myself. So I think I've had to learn to not be that hard on myself – um, I mean, I am my father's daughter. That is how my dad is. I think it's in our personalities. Uh-huh. I'm very much 
an A-type personality, which is also why sometimes maybe it's a bad thing. But if I can't do something 100%, if I cannot commit to it in my entirety, I will not do it. Hmm. I just won't. That's a good thing, though. Maybe. Um, but yes, I'm afraid of failing. 100%. I think, you know, that first, I'll never forget that first Strictly episode. I was like, oh, my God, people might hate me. And there was a bit of negative feedback because I'd fulfill, I'd, I'd replaced someone. There mm. was a few, you know, Pubby had presented the show and she was brilliant at what she did. Um, and it, in the beginning, you know, people don't like change. A mm. lot, generally people don't like change. So it's just familiarity and having to get to know me. But I, there was a lot of negative feedback that first episode. We were just like, where's Pubby? Bring Pubby back. And that was hard. It was difficult, but you have to just try and not be that hard on yourself sometimes. Who's got the the best insight into you? I think my mother, and and my husband. He he knows me. Obviously, we've been together for a long time. He knows me really well. But I think my mom. My mom can pick up if I've had a bad day. She can hear it in the tone of my voice. I think she knows what I need. Yeah, she knows. I think she she just knows me the best. She innately senses. When something is not right. She must be really happy though with how things are going, but she's probably also really invested in when things don't go your way and she gets upset. Yeah. She's, I mean, my mom is the person who, who I dragged to auditions as a kid. I mean, you literally, it's like day in and day out. You're going to three, four auditions a week and you're not getting any jobs in the beginning. It was like for a full year when I started, I didn't get anything and I was literally about to give up and I got my first commercial Hmm. and my mom has been there. She's, she's seen, I think her heart breaks in the beginning. She, she, she was just, she, I think as a mother, it's heartbreaking for you to see a child. So this isn't an adult child. This is a child, a young child. And I think it's difficult to see them Not having to, they want. exactly. And having to face this failure at such a young age, yeah. because the majority of kids aren't dealing with failure on that level mm. or, or, you know, not getting what they want. And I think I've had to come to, come to terms with that to have to to have peace of mind in knowing that that just wasn't meant for you at this point in your life because i've had lots of disappointments big mm. jobs that i've lost i think people see the success stories but they don't know that i auditioned for that job and somebody else got it and it was tough because i really wanted it especially when you're getting to like final 2 final 3 and you don't get something that you want it's hard i wonder though how it sort of deepens the relationship that you have with a mom or a dad when there is that added pressure from such a young age, I mean, the, the level at which you know that person or they know the intricacies of you, mm. just from a human relationship perspective, mm. it's a hell of a lot more enriched than perhaps other people. I think so. I think because my mom has been there for everything, she has been there for every up and every down. And I think I do have a very different relationship with her than opposed to my dad. Just not not more of a relationship or a better relationship, just very different. Mm. Um, and it's definitely, oh, definitely, I think without a doubt, when someone is that invested in your career. She's a saint. My mother is honest to God a saint. She she literally gave up everything. And my dad. My dad used to fetch me from Mnets on the way home from work. I mean, they just, they they never, ever said no to an opportunity. If an opportunity presented itself my mom would be there she would take me wherever i needed to be i mean until the age of 18 when i started driving she was literally and you became independent really quickly Mm, no definitely that was like literally on my 18th birthday i was like okay i'm going to get my license now but it's because you'd you know been managing money and doing all sorts of stuff and managing a career 100 100 percent. that's the pros of being in, in it from a young age pros and cons though yeah i think 
I mean, I literally, it sounds horrible. I don't have a single friend from high school. Huh. Nothing. I have not kept in touch with anybody because people just couldn't relate to me and I couldn't relate to them. Not that it was anybody's fault, but I think there was a lot of resentment at the time. Um, and I think people were tough. They were like, oh, no, she only gets good marks because she's on KTV and the teachers love her. It was tough because if I did something good, it wasn't recognized. My peers wouldn't be happy for me. It's it's, just, it's weird to picture you hurt, but I, I mean, it's obviously happened. <laughs> it has, hundred percent. I had I had a really tough matric year. I I had a friend who turned on me in a very ugly way, very ugly way. Like it really that messed me up for a long time. I I think friendships, my my good friends are friends that I work with because they understand. Like mm. Reti was with me on KTV. She's mm. one of my best mates. Um, and she, because she gets it, because she understands what it's like. And I think if you're not in it, you don't understand. You can't relate. Even to a certain extent, sometimes with my husband. I think it's just if you're not auditioning and if you're not feeling that disappointment, I think it's just very difficult to relate. It, it's, you've got to walk in those shoes. You've got to really experience But he can still do the it. Facebook post and it's still, yeah. 100%. Yeah. No, he supports me. He's 100% supportive. But it's just, if you're not in the industry, I think it's difficult to understand. Having said that, though, I, do, I wouldn't want to be with anyone in my industry. I think that also keeps me grounded. And you're I think figuring out the balance. 100%. He, I, I don't, I know my personality. I would get, I would get an inflated person, like ego, if I was with someone, like another presenter. Hmm. I, I would. I know I would. So I need to have that person in my life who can kind of just be like, listen, it's a job. It is a job. Yes, you have no, you have some form of notoriety and people know who you are, but it's a job like any other. That's the fundamental. Hmm. Got to go to two questions from uh, fellow millennials on our list. Um, what should the brand perception of millennials be? Oh, wow. It's loaded. <laughs> that is a load. What should the brand perceptions of? Well, I feel like it's pretty negative at the moment. I was going to say, I think people think we're the lost generation. Yeah. People totally think that we have. Well, I read a really interesting article about the fact that we are a bit of a lost generation. Um, we were the generation who were told you can be anything you want to be and you can do anything you want to do. But then, especially in South Africa, I think opportunities have not been there mm. so then there's this massive disappointment of growing up and well now i can't do this and who am i having a bit of an identity crisis mm. so maybe what we should be doing is trying to find our feet um what should the brand perception be of millennials i hope that we can be the generation that can change things because we have the means and social media and the platforms and the ways. barriers to entry yeah exactly i think it is easier from that perspective than what our parents had at their disposal. But I hope that we can be the generation to change things, especially, I mean, look at like race relations in our country at the mm. moment. It's bad. Like things are tough. But we're having the conversation. But we're having yeah. the conversation and it's a tough conversation to have. It really is. Like sometimes as a white person, I'm like, freaking hell, I feel it's you, you really have to understand your privilege. Yeah. You have to, you have yeah. to recognize the fact that you are privileged um, and understand it. And to a certain extent, embrace it and, and understand. And I think just that understanding helps you understand other people's points mm -hmm. of view and being sensitive to that fact. Yeah. It's a tough one. I don't know. I think I, I want us to be change agents. I think that would be great. And we can. Hmm. Uh, another question here. What's the importance of curiosity? Ooh, curiosity is everything. It's everything. Were you that kid that was like playing with the ladybug and then... <laughs> 
No, I wasn't that run through. sort of. Okay. I wasn't that sort of like curious kid. But I think you did write to NASA, so you were a little exactly. curious. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's curiosity from the perspective of just constantly asking questions. Mm. We should be asking questions because we, I think our parents' generation were kind of like you. You keep, especially women. It was like you know, know your place. You don't ask questions. You are the secretary. You are not the CEO, you know, and that's what you do. So I think we are a generation that can ask those questions, and I think we should. I'm so glad that you're on this list. Uh, I'm so glad that you've asked me to be here. It's the, really cool because you you it's Thank you're you. authentic, and authenticity is tricky. I I don't blame people for not being authentic because I think it's easier sometimes to put on a front because people are you know it's difficult to be sensitive and open. Hundred percent. Um, give me the takeaway line. Here is Roxy Berger, at 29 years into it, and what should we what what should we learn from the story? I think. Maybe that persistence is key and just know that if you work hard enough and long enough, you can get what you want and it's not going to be easy. I would just say push yourself constantly and know that you are worthy. Know your value and don't let other people undermine your value. That is something that Anele taught me. Nice. She taught me that and she was like, know your worth. And stop underestimating yourself. And the day that I did that, things turned around for me. Because I went through a big rut. I went through a huge rut. There was a good two years where I really struggled. I couldn't get work. Um, literally, I remember phoning my mom that one day and saying, Mom, I don't have money for petrol. And crying and being like, I can't believe that at the age of like 25, having a degree under my belt, I cannot get where I want to be. And it was tough to to face that realization. But it was because I wasn't really saying, this is who I am, I'm good at what I do, I've worked hard, and this is what I deserve. And I think it's okay to say that in a non-arrogant way, to be confident in your abilities and to say that this is where I want to be. I think speak speak positivity. If you want something, speak it, manifest it. I know that whole secret thing sounds mm, so mm. silly, but it's true. Put it out there. Don't Don't just think it, speak it and do it. That's what I'd say. And that's Roxy Berger. Thank you so, so much. Oh, thank you. Kelman on cliffcentral.com.